0: Hello, and welcome to The Financial Classroom with Will, Tim, and Jules, where three friends believe that the American dream is built by living within your means. Listen as we discuss how to build wealth, live frugally, and attack life with a financial plan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Financial Classroom. Today, you're listening to episode 33. Today, we are going to be talking about how to save for a down payment for a house, or for any big purchases that you make in life. Before we start, Jules, it was great seeing you in person. Just for everyone that knows, uh, I actually went to uh, Edmonton and visited Jules and her family. And it was was crazy seeing them for the first time in person, even though I feel like I know her. And she was such a great host to my wife and I, and we got to meet all these awesome puppies.
1: Yeah, it was awesome meeting you guys for now I have met both of you in person. And when we (laughs) see each other, it's different now. I mean, it's cool. I like it. It's like, we see each other all the time on the computer. And then to see each other in person. It's I don't know, technology is a cool thing. Um,
2: Didn't you say that? Like Will was shorter in person than you expected (laughs) or something? No, (laughs) I said (laughs) Will
1: is taller in person. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Way taller. And then he says, what? Because you thought I was Asian, I was short? (laughs) (laughs) not what I thought it's because he's in a chair well
0: how do you tell how tall somebody is in a chair
1: that's what I'm saying you just keep (laughs) short in a chair I don't know (laughs)
0: there you go no it was awesome I think and for listeners who don't know Jules actually we didn't know her in person before she was actually a guest on this podcast as a six-figure millennial guest so if you want to go back and scroll through some episodes because I don't have the episodes in front. Of me. I don't know what <laughs> episode, episode 12 it was.
1: or something. I don't episode know.
0: 12, something like that, somewhere early in the front. I believe it was like a stay at home mom, like title. And she was a guest on, and then she decided to join us. Anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Our last uh, RCMP Pension podcast actually had quite a lot of downloads, more than any other episodes that we've had. I think a lot of members are sharing to. Their other members, and my my wife actually saw the episode get posted in the spouses group just for the RCMP. And we've had people reach out to us about the pension podcast. So it's been super encouraging. And again, if if you haven't checked that out, and it's not just for RCMP members, it's for any public servants. Uh it's a defined benefit and lump sum pension podcast. Just check out the previous podcast, episode 32.
1: Yeah. And if anyone has like suggestions or, or need help with a big financial topic like that, just shoot us a message and we would be more than happy to bring on some experts or do some research and get you some information through our podcast that way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I apologize. This is actually episode 34 for listeners. So go back to episode 33 and check that out anyway. So that's want to talk
1: about down payment. Yeah, let's do
0: it. Jules, you want to start, you are the mortgage expert and, uh, What are some of the ways that you've had uh, seen people save up for a down payment, especially in this crazy housing market where, I don't know, 2020 and 2021 is completely different where houses weren't selling in 2020, but now they're like flying through the roof and the radar and everyone's heard Mm -hmm. the news like, Wood prices went up like crazy, but housing prices also went up because of shortages. So, how do people save up for down payment, or what are some strategies that you've seen as a mortgage broker that you've seen people save up for down payments?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Well, there's a few options. You, I mean, the first option, which a lot of people do, is they just have it in savings. And I want to talk about that a little bit later. Get your guys' opinion on that. Like, how do people actually save for that money? If you don't have the money, there are a few other options. You can take that first-time home buyer option where you can take money out of your RSP. And you know, there's even some tactics around that. If you have, if you don't have an RSP, you can actually take a loan out from the bank. Now, again, I'm not saying that. We should borrow your RSP or your down payment money on the Financial Classroom podcast. But here's a a cool workaround, so you can take a loan out from the bank and invest that into your RSPs. In after three months or after 90 days, it's been in there for it has to be in there for 90 days. You can actually take that money out, use it as your down payment on your home. Certain lenders we have access to, um, you can get cash back if you do a five-year fixed. So let's say they give you a cash back of up to, gosh, I think it's up to 3% of your purchase price. Um, So right there, you can get a couple grand, I think around $5,000 and pay off the loan. And then Tim, how does that work with tax season? Like, I think you can also get a tax rebate. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So when you buy your first home, you can get a $5,000 tax credit, which actually really only means that you get 750 bucks back on your tax return. Super confusing there. So it's like 15% of 5,000, but yeah. So you can claim that on your tax return the next year and get a little bit of money back. And then also too, a lot of provinces will have this this program. I know for Saskatchewan where I am, we have a a $10,000 tax credit. So, that means that you get $1,050 back on your provincial taxes if you let them know on your tax return that you're a first time home buyer. So, I mean, that's definitely just something to know and to keep in mind come tax season to put that on your tax return because it is a significant chunk of money.
1: Yeah, that's totally true. And then, as well, the tax rebate, right? Like, if you're getting, if you're borrowing money, you get, like, let's say, lowest tax back at 30% tax back on a $15,000 down payment is 4,500 bucks. You can pay that off 4,500 back on that loan that you took, you borrowed from the bank to pay up to invest in your RSPs.
2: Oh, right, yeah, so like if you uh, if you invest into your RRSP for the yeah. home buyers program, yeah, you can get money back on your tax return, especially you, you do wanna look at one that you have that RRSP room and two that you're going to be able to use that rsp you have enough income that you're going to be able to claim that deduction and get money back on your tax return but that's a great option because you know you if you've got some money set aside you want to throw that in the rsp say end of december or something like that and then you get your money back probably march april and you're heading into summer with Whatever money you put into your RRSP, plus that increased tax refund, to be able to put towards your first down payment.
1: Yeah. So I have a a little scenario on that one, just so that I can break down the numbers for you guys. If you were to borrow three hundred thousand, or if you were to buy a house for three hundred thousand, you need a five percent down payment. You need fifteen thousand. So you can Mm -hmm. borrow fifteen thousand from the bank, put it into your RSPs, Ninety days later, you can take that. As a down payment, the banks only need to see a 90 day history. So then, if you use certain lenders, they'll give you a 3% cash back. So that's like $9,000 that you'll get once you sign the mortgage. And then from your tax, you'll also get approximately, let's say, like 30% back. So you on a $15,000 RSP loan. So then it's $4,500. So nine. So you're looking at like $13,500 right right away to pay off that loan that you borrowed 90 days prior. Um, So that's one little hack you can get to get into a down payment or to get a down payment if you haven't saved. Another option would be to have an immediate family member gift you the money. So banks do allow that. They accept that as a down payment as long as the family member is going to write you a letter saying that they don't expect you to ever pay them back. What you guys have figured out behind the scenes, don't tell your bank, don't tell your mortgage broker. If they want you to pay them back, I mean that's really between you guys, but they do have to sign a letter saying that they don't expect payment for that. But um that can be used as a down payment as well.
2: Cool. Although like that being said, like it's it can get a little dicey just in that you can run into those those family issues if uh, yeah. You know, if you end up not being able to pay it back or you could decide, hey, I don't want to pay it back because legally you guys agreed to give this to me without. Yeah.
1: And there's a signed contract, a legal signed contract saying that they don't expect it back. So, I mean, that's really it could get a little dicey. You're right.
0: Uh, with that being said, because we're a financial class and we're trying to teach people about smart financial exactly. decisions. <laughs> just because you could do some of these things doesn't mean you should do them all like 5% down payment. I, I personally wouldn't do a 5% down payment. And I think Tim also agrees and Jules, I think a 20% down payment. I know it's harder in some cities like in Toronto or Vancouver or even in the States, California, et cetera. um, When houses are over a million dollars to save up $200,000 just for a down payment, but in places where housing isn't outrageous, We always recommend a 20% down. And can you guys both just talk about why someone should try and save up for a 20% down payment, not including the obvious, which is like you're paying less interest to the bank, less payments overall. But uh, what are some of the benefits?
1: I think like the most obvious reason other than just having a smaller mortgage would be you don't have to pay default insurance. And default insurance is insurance for the lender, not for you. So if you were to default on your mortgage, the lender then is taken care of, like they're insured against you. So if you put down 5% only, you're paying 3.6% of the mortgage as default insurance. So that'll up your, your mortgage again. So let's say like you're borrowing 300000 you're paying three point six percent default insurance. That's ten thousand two hundred and sixty. So, I mean, you have to pay that. That's worked into your mortgage, so it's not out of pocket. But still, it's a huge cost. And then if you put down twenty percent or more, you aren't paying any default insurance.
0: You're literally saving that almost ten thousand dollars right there yeah, by exactly. by putting twenty percent down. So, that uh, so I we recommend that.
2: And it does give you that option to to have like lower mortgage payments, right? Mm -hmm. So then that way you do have that option to put less financial pressure on yourself, or it may just mean that you have less mortgage to pay off and you're just going to pay it off that much quicker too.
1: Well, exactly, Tim, because if you put down 20% or more, then you can actually amortize over 30 years as well. And I'm not saying you're going to take 30 years to pay off your house, but it does free up payment. So let's say you wanted to invest in some other um, investment properties in the future or something like that, then the bank will only look at those payments. So if you're bringing down your payments from a 25 year to a 30 year, you have more wiggle room for other like house investments or even use that extra money that you're saving per month. And you can put that into investments and be gaining more interest that way.
2: Yeah. So I guess, Will, you've kind of talked a little bit lately about at least to me, maybe not so much on the podcast about how you're looking at sometime in the near-ish future, hopefully putting some money down on a house, you're saving up a down payment. And would you be able to talk just a little bit about kind of what your strategies are, a little bit about your philosophy behind why you're saving this way versus other ways? And yeah, just tell us a little bit about how are you saving for that down payment?
0: Yeah. Good question, Tim. And um, so for listeners out there, yes, Tim, what Tim is saying is right down the road, I'll be moving. And uh, I have been saving out uh, my wife and I have been putting away money for a big down payment. And the way we've been saving is we have been investing, but because I know I have such a short time span, the investments money that we put away, I actually don't plan on touching them instead on the other side, I have money set aside just for this down payment and and this isn't just for the house i think for anyone who has big big purchases within a year or two i recommend and i think a lot of other people would also recommend putting money into a money market or something that's safer because if if you invest all your entire down payment and a market crash happens right before you need to buy you don't want to be pulling your money out at that time so this is just our strategy. And I know a lot of people will agree with me. Some of you might disagree. Some of you might think that, oh, invest it all. But for my wife and I, we've put actually set money aside. Uh, so every month we allocate how much should go into investments, but we don't plan on touching that for the long-term and then how much should go into uh, money for the house. And that's going to be set aside. And in the money market account, which is, it earns more than a basic saving high interest savings account from like, say a TD bank. And then, so this way your money isn't, I mean, it's not, it's still not beating inflation by no means, but it's gaining at least a little bit more interest than what a savings account would do. So, and then this way in a year or two, uh, when you do plan on buy, and there is a market crash, you're okay. You do have that money there still. But if you are planning to buy a house five, 10 years down the road, I, I just say, just invest that money.
1: Yeah. And good for you for planning five, 10 years in advance. Cause I don't think anyone really does that. Like, you know, you, at some point you're just like, oh, I'm tired of living with mom and dad, or I'm tired of renting. I want to buy a house. And usually it's a spur of the moment decision for so many people. So if you're planning for five, 10 years down the road, like kudos to you, you're doing great. For me personally, when we purchased our house, my parents actually had the money for us set aside. They had put it into like a some kind of unregistered account, I believe. It was a mutual fund. And so we got back from traveling. If you go back and listen to my first podcast, uh, you hear the whole story. But um, they had given us, I think it was like $13,000, and then we only needed to put down I think 15, it was five. We only put 5% down on around a $300,000 home. Nope, sorry. We bought it for 265. We bought it below market value. It was it was a house that really needed a lot of work. And so we felt comfortable putting down 5% because we knew that once we fixed it up that we would have built that sweat equity. And five years later, we sold it and we made, gosh, I can't remember. I think it was like 100, $110,000 or so. So, I mean, that really does work too, where you can, your parents can, if, you know, if they have money set aside for you, that's awesome. And if you were comfortable buying something where you feel like you can put that sweat equity in, then by all means, you know, I don't think that's a terrible route to go either.
2: Yeah. Yeah. On my end, like, so I'm, I guess, you know, in that situation that Jules was actually just talking about where I'm looking at you know, potentially three to five years down the road, I have no clue what I'm going to buy a house. I guess it just kind of depends on life circumstances, but right now I'm actually just really content renting. And since I'm not a hundred percent sure what the next few years are going to look like for me, I'm going to keep renting because those real estate and legal fees can get really big. And I feel like it doesn't make sense if there's the possibility that, you know, I end up moving or something like that within the next couple of years it just doesn't make sense to buy a house for me right now. So I'm just saving up right now, but I'm actually using my TFSA just because I like having that that cash on hand or easily accessible cash just to be able to, you know, if an emergency comes up, just to be able to pull that out quickly. Um, Tim, did I'm, you say
1: you're putting, you have the cash in a TFSA?
2: I do, yeah. Is it
1: invested or is it just cash?
2: It's invested. Okay. So I'm actually... I mean, I'm actually in kind of more medium like medium high risk investments because for me it's it's a longer term game. It's it's not something where I'm worried about covid happening next year and I lose 30%. I can be confident that, you know, within 3 to 5 years that the the market will go back up again. So, it's yeah, it's a long term game for me, but yeah. Just saving in a TFSA. I'm thinking about maybe investing in the RSP soon to be able to take advantage of that home buyer's plan. But I do love growing the TFSA room, right? Because I think that's one thing that not everybody knows about TFSAs is that say your limit is $20,000 and you invest that $20,000 and it grows $2,000. Now your limit is $22,000. So I want to be able to grow that for the, for the long-term. So I, I feel like it makes most sense for me to hold it in a TFSA for now.
0: It's funny you say that because my wife and I were actually just looking at the FSA contribution rooms yesterday, and we were looking at how much over we are already Mm. with someone our age, if they had tried to max out their TFSA today. So, because we had started investing within our TFSA early on in life. Now it's grown to the level that you it's more than what someone can contribute, they started contributing today at the same Mm. age. Yeah. So I guess uh, that's just to come back to what I was saying earlier, my um, plan, and I think a smart plan would be obviously to save up, but I don't plan on doing the 5%. I don't plan on doing a 30 year mortgage. That's just that's just not me. I I think my next plan is to be, put a, a bigger down payment down more than 20%. And uh, I want to do uh, hopefully 15 years, 10 to 15 years, and hopefully be mortgage free before I am 40. That's... That's kind of like the the plan. And uh, I think everyone, there. there's no right and wrong specifically, but I think there's so many different ways to save up for big items. But Tim, can you just touch on like big items in general, maybe not even mortgages, because I know you are the king of budgeting and having sinking funds. Can you just explain how people can go about saving for, let's say they want a car or um, that next big toy or whatever that they're saving up for but instead of financing which we are very against on this podcast uh what are some of the strategies that you you think
2: yeah yeah so i mean for myself like you said i've got a budget i've got sinking funds so for myself for example i just recently actually i said oh i need a new computer i guess this was about a year ago now actually i said i i'm probably going to need new computers soon Mine is, uh, it's it's a 2012 Mac. So I, I said, oh, like, you know, it can last me another few years. So I kind of figured out, okay, you know, new Mac, we're looking at around like 1800 bucks, something like that, give or take. So spread that out over three years, that's 50 bucks a month I'm going to need to put away. So I've been doing that and just contributing every month so that I guess now in about two years, I'll have that 1800 bucks saved up. I'm doing the same thing with my car. I've got, you know, 200 bucks a month just coming out, going into my sinking fund. I'm investing it as well, especially because it's a long-term kind of purchase, but yeah, just 200 bucks coming out every month and slowly growing. Now I'm at about, uh, I think 6,000 saved towards my new car, but it's, it's really just all about kind of figuring out what's what's your time horizon and what's your end price or like what's what price are you planning to pay for this new item? And just really doing the math of how much money do I need to put away every month to get from where I am now to three years, five years, 10 years from now and this purchase price.
1: Yeah, and we talk about this quite often is it we live in such a microwave society, whereas like, Tim, you're putting the money aside now for the future. But so many people, they're like, well, I want a car, so I'll get a car today, and then I'll pay it off after the fact. But then that's when you get stuck in these payments, and you have a payment for a car and a payment for a house and a payment for a boat and a payment for a skidoo and a quad and whatever else you have payments for. And then before you know it, you've got a month in toys of payments that are coming out. And so I like that mentality where you save for it first and then you buy it. And I think when we do that, we also then evaluate, like, do we really want to get this? Like, we're going to be Mm -hmm. forking over $10,000 for a quad. Like, is that really what we want right now?
2: And I think even to a certain extent, because you've already worked for the money and you've already saved for two years or four years or how, or maybe it's just six months, but you've, you've put in that work and you've made those sacrifices to be able to, yeah, to make this purchase, it kind of becomes that more, that much more important of a decision.
1: Yeah, uh, I totally agree.
2: Whereas it's, yeah, it's not something you can just wing off and be like, oh yeah, you know, this car salesman is, is saying that I can have this today for 200 bucks a month. Why not?
0: Yeah, and I think there's there's so many big purchases that people make on a year-to-year, month-to-month basis. Like you, that's why brand new car dealerships are popping up left and right still. And but it's so important for us, for you listeners and us to take advantage and take control of our financial future. Because like we always talk about on this on this podcast, the power of compound interest. And Albert Einstein says, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And if you are young, like, and I'm talking about, if you, you even if you're in your forties or maybe you're like fifties and you, and you haven't started at all, starting today is better than starting tomorrow. And just understanding that by putting away it a little bit now, like there, there's a reason why I'm putting money into investments and putting money into the future house. Because one, I don't want to only be able to put down 5% on the down payment. And two, because I want to grow my investments at the same time. And that time you will never get back. And we can't preach that enough. Yes. You can go buy the newest quad or newest like finance or lease vehicle every few years and all that. But if you really just take that payment and just put it into a calculator and just play with it just just play with the average car payment in Canada let's say $600 and just take that and and put $600 in the compound interest calculator and put between 8 to 12% interest rate and have a 30 year time horizon or 25 or 20 year time horizon and just see how much money that is and see what you are willing to give up to lease a brand new vehicle every 5 years whereas Jules's jeep that uh, I saw when I visited her drives just fine and she bought it i mean new to her Jeep, but like now she doesn't have payments for the next five years or 10 years yeah and
1: and when we were going vehicle shopping we had a budget because we had the cash and uh so we were looking at different dealerships we were looking used and then um the guy's like, well, how much money do you want to spend? And we said, so we want to pay cash. So we have like around 25 to $30,000. And he was like, what in cash? And he's like, well, why don't you get something for 70 or 80,000? And you can put that as a, a payment down on the vehicle. And, you know, that's kind of the mentality, right? Like while you have that much money, why don't you just overextend yourself times three, because you can afford the payments.
0: Mm-hmm. and jules i love how you how you brought that up because this episode is talking about saving for a down payment or saving for that big purchase but you can save all day if you want if you save a million dollars but then when you go to buy a house and you see a four million dollar house you might be like Oh, okay. I want that instead. So you have to like cap yourself. Like, like Jules just said, she, they had a cap of, what'd you say? Like 30, $30,000? $30, yeah. Like car?
1: 30 was the max, max. Like
0: max. So like, even if a car dealers, like a dealer guy came up to her and say, Hey, there's a 40,000 or 50,000 or $60,000 car. You can afford that instead. She didn't go like, Oh yeah, maybe I could. I've been saving How much are one-
1: the payments a month? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've been saving so hard to get to this point, but Now I can afford more. That's not the mentality to have because someone's 20% down payment is someone's 5% down payment.
1: Yeah, that's so true.
0: Right. Somebody's hundred percent down payment on a house to buy in cash is someone else's 5% down payment. And like you could keep saving and saving and saving, but if you continue to extend or try to buy something even better because you save that amount, you'll never get ahead because you're always trying to save, but then you see something, but you decide to buy the even more expensive stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, I have a friend, I was talking to her today and uh, her and her husband, they're millionaires now. You'd never know it, right? They're like the millionaire next door. And uh, she's turning 40 here right away. And she said that she's always dreamed of having a Corvette convertible. And so for her 40th birthday, she's going to get a Corvette and they're going to buy it cash. That's something that is just, absolutely amazing. And um, I asked her like, well, how did you do it? And she said, you know what? My husband is a Dave Ramsey fanatic and I have dragged my heels through the whole process. I always wanted to go on vacations and why were my friends going on vacations and I wasn't. And now she is reaping the reward of living that frugal life and investing wisely paying what only what you can afford and so now she's looking at getting this corvette and she's not looking at a brand new corvette she's looking at a used corvette like an, a definitely an older one and her price range is way below what her husband even thought she was going to want to spend just because she doesn't want to spend a lot of money on a vehicle that's only going to sit in the garage if it's expensive because she doesn't want to get it ruined
2: yeah um, and i just want to point out that she's just as happy right with a lower like a less expensive Corvette compared with a more expensive Corvette making those sacrifices and going with something less expensive or buying in cash or buying only what you can afford it doesn't mean that you have to be less happy or that that you're going to be living a life of poverty or anything like that (laughs) it's uh you know it's just about adjusting your mindset and realizing, yeah. okay, what are my long-term goals and how do I get there? And I guess just even what can I actually afford?
1: Too. Yeah. And I think also like once you're in that position where you have the option, like she has the option to buy brand new cash or buy something used, she doesn't feel like deprived because she's consciously making that decision mm-hmm. that she wants to spend less. And I think that is very empowering.
2: And she's probably even thinking a little bit about, okay, what does this mean for me? If I have another, say $40,000 that I'm not spending on a newer Corvette, you know, maybe this means that I can go on this vacation that I've always wanted to go on. Maybe it means I get to go visit my grandkids or I guess she's like 40 or something like that. So maybe my kids more often.
1: Yeah. Her, um, her youngest is like 11 years old still.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, hey, there's Court whose youngest is like a month old and she's a millionaire too. Like, it's just, it, it, they come in all ages, right? And yeah. hopefully one day, um, Tim, Jules and me, we're going to we're we'll be, be there.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll, and we'll that's, be our own
0: guests for seven figure millennials.
1: Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for that day. And that case, okay, so we're going to go back to saving up for big purchases. And we talk about this all the time. And I think we're just going to reiterate it again. Spend below your means, you know, spend less than you make, invest the rest. That's really the formula. And it doesn't get any harder than that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like living below your means is, I mean, it's it's taught to so many people. So many people know it. Like like we've all heard that saying. We we all know what's right, but doing the right thing is hard, right?
1: Yeah. And sometimes uh, you just need a coach. And that's where I'm just gonna do a, a plug here for Will, because yeah. Will is now uh, uh
0: coach, coach. Yes, a coach. I yeah,
1: am. yeah. so what's so your if you... you're t- teaching people how to budget how to invest how to do all this stuff and you're charging very little you know yeah. like you're so knowledgeable and i just want to like plug you here a little bit because you've gotten me on the right path you've gotten so many of our listeners on the right path and now you're doing one-on-one coaching which i think is just like phenomenal and i'm so pumped for you
0: thanks jules i appreciate the plug-in yeah so yeah it's been fun actually um I have a few clients now and it's it's actually awesome to be able to teach people and help them and, and go down that path. And it's, it's a blast. And I think the passion, I think all of us have the same passion of just wanting to see people succeed financially. And it's, that's why Tim and I started this podcast. That's why you decided to join Jules and, and to see people succeed and like learn about basic personal finance stuff that they should be teaching in school instead of, uh, I don't know, X, Times y equals w x y z. I don't understand. (laughs) I just threw some random random (laughs) letters out there, but I do think that financial education needs to be taught and like saving for big expenses. That's not even unheard. That's people don't even talk about that nowadays. If you go to our grandparents' age, like I remember talking to my grandpa, and he would just say everything they bought back then was in cash because interest rate was so high. First of all, but second of all, they. They just learn like that. They that's what they were taught. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what happened between them to now. Whereas nowadays everything is is being financed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were talking about house like not no, not many people can buy a house in cash. That's just almost unheard of. But mortgage, yeah, people need a mortgage, but we're talking about basic items. Like how many have you gone to the brick lately or? I don't know, Best Buy where you can finance your couch. You can finance was, I saw something can finance the other day a Canadian tire for $20. Like that's ridiculous. So nowadays we don't believe in paying anything cash now. So learning how uh,
2: even, even houses, I'm I'm hearing of people who they're getting pre-approved for (laughs) houses that they, for amounts that'll break them financially or will like push them right to the limits. Yeah. Uh, for houses that they don't even need. And and then Jules, I don't know about you. My wife and I talked about this because
0: you have a family and I don't have kids yet. I was soon to be, I soon have kids. And, but when Jess and I look at houses, a lot of times we think, man, first of all, that's a lot of cleaning that you have to do. Mm-hmm. But second of all, you, you don't even use half the room in the house, half the rooms in the house. If I'm correct on that, if you well, if you, you say
1: that now, but wait until you have kids. Fair enough, but if <laughs> so you and Justin wait, are living, the I, house will be used. If
0: you and Justin are in a house with like eight bedrooms, right, or six bedrooms, or or seven bedrooms with like three bathrooms, like because there's there's people who overextend themselves like that. They yeah. think like even in Edmonton area, people can overextend and say, oh, I'm gonna buy one one million dollars something house just to show everyone how rich I am. Where in fact, it might be the opposite. Where I think my wife and I talk about how. You know we don't need the massive mansion but instead if you follow the fire community we're trying to buy back time to do things that we truly love to do
1: yeah actually i just watched a documentary called the queen of versailles i think or princess of versailles and it was this family that was building the biggest house in america i mean it had something like 33 bedrooms and 40 bathrooms and so they started building it and then when the the market crashed in 2008 it foreclosed and they were able to get it back and it's still being built now. But through all of that, this you have to watch the documentary. It's just crazy because there's so much, so much spending, so much unnecessary spending. And it really makes you see that no matter how much you have, you want more in certain mentalities, you know, and to get, that's why I like this podcast because it really grounds me every single time we talk, we're grounded. And it's like, no, we don't need more. Like, we're fine. We need to just live within our means, be humble, and we'll get where we want to go.
2: Yeah. And for myself, even like, I love just having this basement suite that I'm in right now, you know, it's fairly limited in terms of cleaning and whatnot. It's also big enough for whatever, like my, my instruments for my office, for my bed. And I just love having a smaller space and it's nice not having to, to worry about that. And as a plus side is saves me money. Right. And for homeowners, it's going to save you money. If you go with like a house that's the size of your family, if that makes sense, you know, it, cause you're not paying that extra property tax. That's less room that you're heating, less room that you're lighting or powering. Uh, there's all these other costs and, and mortgage interest, but, Yeah, I think it just makes a lot of sense to really evaluate like how big of a house do I need is like just because I can afford this big of a house doesn't mean that I need it. Because I mean, even now, like 5% down payment, you can go from, you know, if you have $20,000 saved, that's a $200,000 house. Uh,
1: That's
2: 10%. Sorry, if you have... Yeah, $10,000 saved, $200,000 house, $20,000, $400,000 house, $30,000, $600,000 house. So you really actually don't need to save that much more to be able to get like a way bigger house, but it's going to put like a lot more financial pressure on you later on, right? And what we're
0: saying, I don't want to sound like you shouldn't live life and you shouldn't buy anything in this world. And that's not what we're trying to say because- this whole financial journey isn't about living a life of deprivation. It's not living a life where you just sacrifice everything and not do anything. And the whole point is that you have to figure out what I guess truly matters to you. Well, living in a million dollar house where you're stressed out about the next paycheck, would that be make you happier or less stressful? Because you're living in this mansion, even though you're trying to get to work every day but trying to pay for this mansion or if you downsize to that say a three four hundred thousand dollar house or half that even five hundred thousand which is still a lot but but will that make you happier because now you're less stressed about making that next payment and making that looking forward to that next paycheck all the time and you have to constantly work or have double income and barely see your kids or family like what
1: what or in turn will if you live in a smaller home when you're younger you work hard you're investing you're making sacrifices and then when you do hit 35 40 years old maybe you do live in that million dollar home and maybe you have no mortgage you know it's that yeah. sacrifice in the beginning that exactly. is gonna like, like propel you into the future and who knows where you're going to be you don't need it today if you can't afford it today don't get it today but that doesn't mean not you're not going to have it tomorrow
0: mm-hmm. i like that yeah Sacrifice now a little bit to, to set yourself up for the future. Actually, I I just listened to another podcast the other day. The female that I was listening talked about how your twenties and your early thirties is the time for you to work hard mm-hmm. and to put away as much as possible and to let compound interest do its thing, and then you can reap the rewards for the rest of your life because you sacrifice for five to 10 years. So literally like she was saying the your twenties is the the time for you to work hard so you can reap the rewards for the rest of your life. And that really hit home because I've had that mentality. It's like, okay, I'm in my twenties. I'm going to work as much as as possible, get my overtime. And then now my wife is going to go on mat leave soon. And in my head, I'm like, okay, even though her income goes down to 60% after whatever the first few months, that's okay, because our investments now are almost supplementing the rest of that 40% of income that she would have otherwise made, because we were able to put away so much more into investments early on in our 20s. -hmm. And so that really, I I love what you said, Jules. That's awesome.
2: And that's understanding the time value of money too, right? So You kind of made these goals. You said, okay, like we're going to, we're going to work hard. We're going to save up a bunch of money. We're going to have a bunch of passive income when, you know, when we do have kids and, you know, have to take time off work, we're going to have this passive income. That's going to help supplement us. And it's going to help us going towards our goals. So if you start saving now, right. I mean, it's what every seven years, if you're invested in the S and P 500, looking at its historical. Performance. I think it's like every seven or eight years, something like yeah, that, eight that, eight you, doubles, yeah. that you double whatever you put in. Right. So just just understanding how huge that is to be able to have that have that growth and to be able to uh, be putting away regularly and early. It'll it'll do amazing things for your goals.
1: So with that said, you know, we've talked quite a bit about saving for down payment and you're spending below your means as far as down payment, you know, I did give you guys some tricks on how to kind of house hack that. And if you don't have a down payment saved, how you can do it again, we are as a financial classroom, we're supporting more of saving the money yourself, but if you don't have a down payment, you know, there are some other options there and, you know, it really comes down to spending less than what you make and, and saving the rest and having that long-term goal, Mindset instead of that short-term microwave society. I want it now. I'm going to buy it now. Kind of idea,
2: and also to just understand that there are tax advantages for that first home. You have your first-time home buyers credit. Look into whether you have a provincial first-time home buyers credit. Uh, you can borrow from your RSP for that for that down payment. Just, yeah, like Jules mentioned, you have to wait 90 days to be able to access whatever you've put in for that.
1: And you have 15 years to pay it off and you can borrow up to $35,000.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's per per individual. So like if if you're married, you can borrow up to $70,000 if you have that $70,000 in your RRSP. And I also believe too, you have to file a form um T1036 with your with whoever's holding your RRSP and they'll get that sent off to CRA. So you have to have that filed before you're able to withdraw the funds for for that down payment. But yeah, definitely understand that there's those tax advantages. Don't forget about them. Hey, so Tim, do I get a tax advantage if I go buy like a new Mercedes or
0: something? No, you
2: don't because uh, that the government doesn't want you doing that as much. They want you to have houses. paying taxes, eh? Yeah. Instead. Yeah. Oh, you're paying, paying your taxes. Wonderful. Cool.
0: So. Um, yeah. No, all jokes aside though, that, uh, I hope you guys learned something today. Um, a lot of the stuff we said, we've talked about in other podcasts before, like mm-hmm. saving for things and and understanding living within your means but it's so important to continue to bring this up constantly because we are in a buy now society we we are in a i want this now society and just because you become an adult just because you're 30 40 50 60 doesn't mean you are financially educated and that's a big myth that people think that oh just because you get older it means you have a grasp of your finances that that's the furthest from the truth. It's something that needs to be taught. Something that needs to be talked about. And like, I've learned so much since talking to these guests and actually re-listening to some of our podcasts. And it's such a conversation that needs to be talked about. And I appreciate us bringing this topic back up and talking about it. And I guess it just helped prepare me more um, when I do decide to move and next year or two for a new house down the road so with that said uh thank you guys so much for listening today if you guys are in the edmonton area and uh, i will give a plug to jules too and if you are trying to buy a house or looking for a down payment jules can hopefully try and get you the best deal possible jules where can people find you
1: this is oh, the first time giving a plug. That is the first time giving me a plug. You can actually find me at www.themortgageclassroom.com and on Original. Instagram, original. Hey, come on. We're branding here. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> and you can also find me on Instagram at themortgageclassroom.
0: Yeah. So look for Jules. She's and great. And
2: since and since you guys are all doing plugs, I'm I'm gonna throw a plug in there too. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna plug Jules again, what? and let you know that if you want a dog, she has some dogs. So you should buy one.
1: Not just like, some dogs. We have puppies. the little golden puppies. doodle puppy. They were just
2: born like one or two weeks ago. Very cute. I've seen the pictures.
0: Yeah. So when I went and visited Jules, they were actually what, two weeks old at the time, a week, uh, two weeks old. And their yeah, eyes, two, two their eyes, old. their eyes weren't even open yet really. So they were like, just kind of like stumbling all over the place. They couldn't even walk. And like, it was just the cutest thing cuddling them and seeing her kids cuddle them. And yeah, they are golden doodles, I think. And uh, yeah.
1: And I think we only have two left.
0: Two so. left. So <laughs> grab them before uh, they're gone. Yeah. So. <laughs> All the plugs today, all the plugs. No, that's awesome. If you are listening out there, if you do have questions or actually better yet, if you can send us a audio question, just record it with your phone and send it to us. We'll play on the show and then we'll try and answer that question. That'd be great. Just record it on your phone and send it to our email at gmail.com. That's gmail.com. or find us on Instagram, Facebook, Financial Classroom. And there's also a Facebook group, Financial Classroom Canada. Thanks so much for listening, guys. It was a blast. And uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more episodes and financial tips, check out our Facebook page, The Financial
2: Classroom. And if you like this podcast, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review on our various podcast platforms. Later.